Welcome back to 910 AM here on Car Radio. I am Henry Payne, auto columnist for the Detroit News. Great to have you on the program this Juneteenth. Happy holiday. Uh, I like to call it Emancipation Day. Farrah, my producer. Farrah, what do you think? Do you, you like Juneteenth or Emancipation Day better? I like Juneteenth better. Yeah? Okay. June, June 19th, the... Uh, the uh, the day was celebrated uh, in Texas, but um, I, 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 I like them both. I kind of like Emancipation Day. I think it uh, has a little more uh, has a little more drama to it. But uh, great to uh, great to celebrate this day with everybody. And uh, there's a lot of celebrating going on down at Greenfield Village this weekend. Also, um, having uh, putting on their motor muster. Um, event, and we are joined by Jim Johnson, who is the director of Greenfield Village. Jim, how are you? Very good. Uh, how are you doing? Doing good. Great to have you on the program. And uh, and I gather Motor Muster is. Uh, I, I'm I'm embarrassed to say I I am not familiar with it uh, until this year. This is an annual event. It is. Um, we're we're. Coming up on, you know, we weren't able to do the event last year, but we're 25-plus years into this particular event. It's a sister show to the Old Car Festival, which we've been doing here in Greenfield Village since 1951. So it features the, the more modern cars, if you want to call it that, uh, the automobiles and other vehicles that attend date from uh, the years 1933 all the way through 1978. Yeah, that's a pretty good uh, five-decade uh, spread there. Um, you guys uh, presumably did not hold it last year, so uh, we're getting back to business to nor- as uh, business as normal this year. We are a bit um, curtailed. Um, the planning the event and trying to figure out what we're going to be we're able to do uh, was a bit challenging, but we managed to pull it off, and we have over 570 vehicles here on site today, and um, a fantastic range of really. Uh, unusual things to the things that you would have seen in the streets on a daily basis, which is which, what's wonderful about this show is lots of uh, family heirlooms, cars that have been in families for generations and been preserved uh, come out for this particular show. Yeah, it sounds like a fantastic show. What is, so what is the, um, it, 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 is there an invitational show? Um, can the public come see it? How does that work? Um, we are actually pretty sold out for this particular weekend. Um, you can call ahead and see if there's any availability has opened up for tickets. Um, as far as the show goes, uh, participants enter their vehicles and uh, they're juried. We are looking for cars and other vehicles that are as stock as they as they can be, so either preserved or restored to look as they did uh, when they were new and in active use. Yeah, that's fantastic. I was at a similar show last weekend called Wings and Wheels, which is out at the uh, Willow Run facility, also uh, a, a famous facility in Ford Lore. It's where they, they built the B2, B-24 Liberators uh, during World War II, and they uh, annually they, the um, Yankee Air Museum puts together a uh, collection of classic cars, a, a similar prescription. They try to make them as original as possible, and then they pair them with period airplanes. Um, do, 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 is there some overlap between that show and your show? You get some of the same exhibitors? We do, and we actually we participate in that show. Uh, somebody comes out from our collection uh, each year, and this, this past uh, 
weekend when it, they held the show with our 1953 Ford Pulse Pod Indianapolis 500 Pace Car, which is also on display today uh, in the village um, as racing this year is our theme for the Motor Monster. Yeah, yeah. Is there, I mean, you, I, I'm sure you travel the country, you know, people from all over um, uh, in this uh, car culture. Is there any place like Detroit? Uh, that has the ability to, to bring cars out like this. Maybe Los Angeles. Uh, any any place comparable? There are little pockets of it, and they, you know it's, it's a popular thing across the country. But uh, for some reason, here in Detroit, it's pretty extraordinary as far as the diversity of things that are, are not only in the metro area, but you know, come for our particular show, come from the surrounding states and uh, and normally Ontario. That's not the case this year because of. Uh, uh, the limits on, on travel, but normally we get a lots of folks from bringing cars in from Ontario as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it's just a tremendous summer. It just keeps rolling. You got wings and wheels. You got uh, motor muster. Obviously, the uh, various cars and coffee events that go on all summer, um, and then it, then it all uh, leads up to the Dream Cruise. Uh, at the end of the summer, I mean, it's just it's just nonstop here. So you got you guys are featuring uh, these five decades of classic cars, uh, depression era vehicles, uh, the revolutionary '60s, on through the '70s. Um, you got got any got any favorites yourself? Is there a favorite decade or car that you really look forward to in this event? It, it's hard to pick. There's some. There's some that have, I've been uh, seeing coming here for 20 some years. It's always great to see them again. Um, but I got to be honest. Uh, some of the fun mid 70s cars that we have out uh, for this weekend. But we've got some Pacers and Gremlins and Hornets and Pintos and Mavericks. They're kind of fun. Um, everybody sort of has a car that they associate with their youth and that's when they were growing up and things like that. And for me, those are the ones, unfortunately. But I think it's great. You know, there's such a selection of things. We have wonderful cars from the 50s with the fins on the village green. Um, great stuff from the 30s. Uh, really some beautiful design uh, coming out. So, really, it's, it's really a hard to pick. Yeah, and there's a wonderful show over at the Detroit Institute of Arts. I think it's still there. Uh, that really gets into uh, the design, uh, particularly in the... In the, in the post-war years, uh, and, and how much um, uh, design changed. I mean, it, it really is fabulous to, to look at, to look over these decades and see how much uh, design has changed. What the influences uh, have been. Was there when you were when you were a kid? Was there a a, a, a car that really struck you? Yes, and they're actually represented today. Um, we have a number of um, Plymouth. Uh, Superbird, which were the the production cars that were were raced basically, and you could buy one. Um, and as a kid, uh, there was one on the turntable at the corner, Plymouth dealer, that just you know, I just couldn't believe that car. You know, I think it was one of the bright yellow ones with the super high fin on the back, and it was just spectacular. And we have three or four different examples here today. Yeah, those are those are spectacular. Uh, those really uh, turned my head when I was a kid too. Richard Petty uh, famously raced them uh, in, in, in NASCAR, and yeah, they're they're really dramatic uh, cars. I mean, it's a it's a it's a tremendous variety uh, you guys have down there. Uh, you know, for folks who uh, are, are coming down there now this summer, uh, the weather's warm. It's it's perfect uh, for for Greenfield Village, the Henry Ford. 
uh, give us an overview of what folks can find down there, beginning with just uh, uh, separating out what is what is Henry what is the Henry Ford and, and how does Greenfield Village fit into Henry Ford? Uh, the Henry Ford makes up several of our venues. Uh, so one of them is Greenfield Village, which is 80 acres over 100 historic buildings. Currently, our schedule is we're open daily from Thursdays uh, through Sundays, and starting July 5th, we're going to add Monday to that mix. And if you're a member, you can come out and walk the grounds on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Um, the Henry Ford Museum is open every day, and we have just opened a spectacular new uh, exhibit about racing called Driven to Win, and it's got some of the really famous, iconic race cars of history. The actual cars are in the exhibit. Several of them live in the collection here at the Henry Ford. Um, the museum itself uh, is over 12 acres of fascinating uh, objects, and we have just opened a brand-new exhibit called uh, Henson, and it's about uh, Jim Henson. Yeah, it's a, yeah there's, there's a lot going on down there. I love the Driven to Win show. We broadcast from down there uh, a couple of months ago when it first opened. It's a, it's a tremendous uh, exhibit, and, and I look forward to uh, to seeing it evolve over time. I'm sure that um, uh, new cars will come in there uh, in addition to, to permanent exhibits like the uh, 4GT, which is, if, if, if our listeners haven't been to Driven to Win, it's a, it's, a, it's a spectacular exhibit. But in particular, the 4GT exhibit within uh, Driven to Win is just spectacular in taking you inside uh, the 4GT's win at the 2016 uh, Le Mans. Uh, Jim, as you look across Green, Greenfield Village, is it is it a similar evolution? Are you guys... Uh, looking to bring in new uh, venues, uh, new uh, historical pieces? We are. And matter of fact, we're in the midst of putting up a new, um, pretty spectacular structure. Um, when it's finished uh, at the end of this year, we'll open next year. It is um, the Detroit Central Market uh, Vegetable Building, which was constructed in 1860 in what is now Campus Marshes there. Uh, Cadillac Square, um, and it was actually functioned as the central market, much like Easter Market is today, um, in the, right there in the center of Detroit until the 1890s, early 1890s, when it was uh, actually, instead of being torn down, was dismantled and moved to Belle Isle and used there as a riding stable for decades. And it went into kind of abandoned state, and we purchased it near 10, 12 years ago, and we are just uh, now... Uh, finished getting the funds and we're putting the building up so uh, it's a construction site and you can see the vertical uh, supports have already been put in place and that's going to come together very quickly so we're looking forward to that so new buildings happens uh, not very often here in Greenfield Village maybe once every 20 years just because of the, the cost and the different things involved in doing it so this we're excited about this yeah that, that I mean that whole larger campus down there is in, in a state of transition, I think the um, uh, the, the the Ford um, I don't know what what, what what the name of it is the uh, the Ford Theater that's across from the uh, Henry Ford Theater that's under construction as well as uh, there's there's enormous construction going on over at the engineering facility in Ford Motor Company itself. Yeah, a lot of the big section of the 1950s era building has come down, and there's a brand new parking garage and a whole bunch of other construction going out. The, the view of Oakwood is, is totally changing there right near our campus. 
Yeah, no big big changes uh, coming coming on, and as we say, driven to win. It just opened uh, this year. Uh, wonderful to have that inside the Henry Ford, uh, giving a history of, of uh, racing. Jim, how did you? Uh, how long have you been with Greenfield Village, and, and what what brought you into your position as as director? Uh, this is uh, let's see. This is my forty second year working here, and I this, I was seventeen, and it, it sounded like a great summer job. So I, I worked here while I was in college. Became very interested in history, and happened to be here at a time of great change, and had great opportunities to help develop some of our living history program, and the Firestone Farm, and different things like that. And uh, kept sort of being offered opportunities. So I just kind of kept accepting opportunities. So here I am. You know, and, and again, uh, you know, just just like this this uh, area is the epicenter of all things automobile, I, I, I can't think of a similar museum uh, any, anywhere in the country. I mean, do you do you do you do you do you share with other museums? I mean, how unique is Greenfield Village uh, in, in what it does and what it represents? It is uh, completely unique. Um, you know, we we delve into so many different time periods. Um, we're able to tell, you know, you know, we, we can't tell the whole story, but we can tell so many different aspects of, you know, how this country changed over the past 300 plus years, um, and we're able to do it uh, with a lot of very interesting sites. Some of them brought here by Henry Ford, some of them later on, but we're all about bringing history to life and, um, you know, immersive experiences with sight, sounds, and smells, and in some cases, tapes. You know, we're able to sort of teach history in that way. So what's fun about this uh, Motor Muster is we list up uh, different themed areas for each of the decades. So, so for the 1930s Depression area, we've got a recreation of a Civilian Conservation Corps camp uh, set up here near the McGuffey School. Uh, we're doing World War II era, 1940s home front activities there uh, in the center of the village. We've got a 1950s uh, vignette set up about... Uh, Lawn work, and we've got a 1953 REO flying cloud lawnmower that we're demonstrating. Uh, the 60s are doing sort of a, a family picnic, and we're doing a bicentennial next 1976 uh, picnic with um, a, a rock concert later on tonight. So it's going to be great. Yeah, that's fantastic, and, and, it, and it runs Saturday and Sunday, right? That's correct. So we're open till nine tonight, and then we're going to run. Uh, 9.30 to 5 tomorrow, and again, we are sold out technically, but uh, check the website, uh, call the call center, and just see if, uh, if anything has come available ticket-wise. Yeah, no, I, I recommend that to folks. Uh, yeah, maybe we can uh, broadcast from there next year. That'd be uh, a really That'd cool venue. To, yeah, really, yeah, it sounds like a really cool venue. Uh, Jim Johnson, uh, director for Greenfield Village, uh, really appreciate your uh, coming on, and uh, have a great weekend down there. Thank you. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for uh, telling folks about our event. All right. Uh, we're going to get an update from the U.S. Open here uh, momentarily, and, uh, and and then we're going to give you a little preview of the rest of the program. Uh, I got some interesting uh, interviews uh, coming up uh, once we hear from the uh, golf folks. Um, but uh, Motor Muster down there at the Henry Ford. Westwood One Sports presents this special report on the 121st U.S. Open Golf Championship. Sponsored by Prevagen. Another U.S. Open and Matthew Wolf is contending again. The runner-up last year in his debut. He is one off the lead at Torrey Pines entering the third round. 
there's not one shot that you can, you know, finally like breathe and relax and feel like, oh, it's all right if I miss this a little bit because every single shot, every single putt, it takes all your attention. And after stepping off the, the course the last two days, I've been pretty drained, but um, I've been really trying hard to focus and keep my composure and more importantly, just be happy. Wolf Plank for the first time in two months. He stepped away to address his mental health. He's four under Russell Henley and Richard Bland five under the leaders tee off at about three hours. Paul Casey on a heater this morning, four under through 10, even par overall five back. Jordan Spieth playing with Casey. He's three under through 10 and plus one. I'm Ted Emmerich, Westwood One Sports. Yeah, check in all afternoon uh, here at the 16 and 46 past the hour for those U.S. Open uh, updates here on Car Radio. Uh, we just finished talking with Jim Johnson, who is the director of Greenfield Village. They're putting on the Motor Muster uh, down there this weekend, spectacular event uh, showcasing five decades of cars from the 30s through the 70s. It is uh, sold out uh, this weekend, but uh, for members, I think you can go on the website and uh, see if there are any uh, openings. So much going on here in the coming weeks here in the Motor City. Uh, we're going to be with Car Radio. We're going to be up at M1 Concourse uh, uh, for the Roadkill Nights uh, in, in August, as well as the uh, Woodward Dream Cruise. We were just in Detroit Belle Isle. Uh, last weekend for the Detroit Grand Prix. Great to have that Grand Prix back here uh, on, on by Belle Isle this year. And uh, we're, we're always bringing you the best uh, uh, automotive uh, uh, news and personalities, whether it's on the racing side or the production side. A lot of really cool production cars coming out this summer. Just uh, talked about the Jeep Grand Cherokee with uh, Stephen Cole Smith. And then uh, next week I'll be driving the Ford Bronco, the long-awaited Ford Bronco. I'll be out in te Austin, Texas, uh, running around in that uh, in that uh, vehicle. Really looking forward to it. Uh, but I was uh, on a couple programs recently uh, with all, with also very significant vehicles. Uh, one, a Porsche 911 GT3, which is as close to a race car as you will get in production skin. I went down there, um, uh, went down to Road Atlanta uh, last, uh, a couple weeks ago last week with uh, Patrick Long, who is the uh, one of the Porsche's uh, professional race car drivers, and chased him around that track. I have an interview uh, with him that we will uh, that we will uh, follow next after the ad break, and then following that interview with Patrick. Uh, I sat down with uh, Jose Bravo, who is the product director of the VW Taos. The VW Taos, you're going to be hearing a lot from because this is the new entry-level VW. The VW Golf uh, hatchback is gone except for the VW GTI and Golf R, which replaced as performance cars in the VW lineup. The United States has gone SUV crazy, and the VW Taos is now the entry-level subcompact SUV in the VW lineup. So uh, I, I, uh, stay tuned for those back-to-back -back, uh, interviews right after the ad break here, uh, starting with Patrick Long uh, down in Road Atlanta with the all-new Porsche 911 GT3. You're on Car Radio, 9:10 a.m. We're going to take a break, hear from our sponsors, and then we're back with more interviews.
The last year has reminded us that we're stronger together. Through it all, Detroit Public Schools Community District has been there for students and families. By offering diverse learning options and wraparound support services, we're committed to meeting your child's needs while remaining focused on what comes next, safely reopening schools to support the continued growth of our students. Visit DetroitK12.org to enroll your child today. For when students rise, we all rise. We've got the perfect cure for your COVID blues, a new live and free three-week concert series, Novi Nights Live at the Adele Center. Three Fridays in July, the 9th, 16th, and 23rd. Join me, Alexander Zonjic, and friends, featuring smooth trumpeter Lynn Roundtree, virtuoso violinist Evan Garr, and from Ohio, the Urban Jazz Coalition. Bring your lawn chairs outdoors, rain or shine, Novi Nights Live. Call Phyllis, 419-280-1073, 280-1073 for all the details. Come on out and party. Hello, I'm Pastor Robert Tilton. Detroit Southfield, I'm coming to see you. If you're bound by drugs, alcohol, sick, afflicted, troubled, maybe you need a financial breakthrough. I want to pray for you in the power of Jesus' name. I will be at the Southfield Western Hotel, June the 24th, 7.30 p.m., Thursday night. That's the Southfield Western Hotel, June the 24th, 7.30 p.m., Thursday night. Turn your faith into action and expect a miracle and be there. Have you been denied credit or hit with high interest rates? A low credit score happens to many of us, and millions of people are victims of incorrect items on their credit reports and don't even know it. That's why you need credit repair now. Our proven process has resulted in past clients seeing on average 11 negative items removed from their credit report and a 40-point increase after the first four months in our program. Call now and request your credit report and credit score for free in minutes. Call 1-800-783-9197. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM. The Superstation having a good day at the office at Road Atlanta Raceway, uh, testing the all-new Porsche 911 GT3. In a lot of ways, the, um, the, the top of the heap uh, driver's car for uh, Porsche enthusiasts, uh, uh, non-turbo, normally aspirated, 4-liter, 400-plus horsepower. We're joined by Patrick Long, who will be familiar to Porsche folks, one of the great drivers in recent Porsche history. Patrick, how are you? Good. Good to be on, and uh, not a bad day at the office. <laughs> yes, good, good place to be. We've been uh, chasing you around this track uh, this morning. Uh, you're driving a Turbo S. Uh, we're driving this all-new uh, GT3. Uh, just take it from there. What's the difference between a GT3, a $160,000 car, and a Turbo S, which is about a $160,000 car? Yeah, I mean, to break it down, the Turbo S is my ideal daily driver. Um, it kind of gives you everything. Comfort, uh, instant acceleration, big horsepower numbers, all-wheel drive. It's the sort of do-all um, top of the, the, the chain for us at Porsche. And then the GT3 is our lighter, leaner, naturally aspirated, rear-wheel drive, track performance car. And it's stiffer, um, it's a little less versatile in its usage. Um, for the people who really like an emotional, visceral drive, they daily drive these cars, but for an old soul like me who's been <laughs> on the racetrack for three decades, I would probably take it as my weekend car in the canyons 
or if your buddies are going to a track day and you want to lead the pack, then this is the chosen weapon for driving, driving to the track as is. Putting your helmet on and really pounding the car all day long and achieving numbers that any street legal car will put up on a, on a racetrack. And, and a lot of guys like that down here at Road Atlanta. Road, Road Atlanta's big metro area, growing metro area. Uh, and, and a lot of folks are coming out here to the driving club, which is a new uh, club for folks that can buy a GT3 and do exactly what you say, drive a half hour, an hour from wherever they live in the metropolitan area, go out on track uh, three times, as much as three times a month. I mean, is there, is there a better Porsche uh, in your mind to, to do that kind of activity? No, uh, the GT3 is is bred for the racetrack. It's almost what we would consider a homologation car where um, the car that I race uh, on the weekends in IMSA racing here at the Petit Le Mans or the Sebring 12 hours, that is our GT3R, our sort of flagship race car. And basically the, the starting point of suspension, tub, powertrain is the same for our street car. So it is track bred that we, we pride ourselves at Porsche on the street to track transfer. So no, the GT3 would be your chosen weapon for uh, the club here. And you know, the part that I'm most passionate about uh, driving for a company like this and, and having the GT3 as a street car that's functional on the racetrack is there are a lot of high performing cars on the market and they put up great numbers in zero to 60 and fall on course numbers and even lap time. But the difference is some other cars might not be able to repeat that five, six, 10, 30 laps in a row, session after session, day after day. I mean, it limits the consumables of brake and tire wear. Um, it's, a, it's a more efficient ride because it's a lighter weight car. And those are the places that Porsche sort of bred themselves in the mountains of Austria um, with a, a 356, which was in its time in the 50s, a very lightweight car, low horsepower, but in the Titan twisties, it could run with anything out there that was sometimes twice as the horsepower. And I think that the heritage of Porsche in how the DNA has transferred over decades, that's essentially what we're still doing with the GT3. We're up against big bore, more cylinders, turbocharged, supercharged, etc. And we've stayed old school, 9,000 RPM, high revving, very emotional. And so you can hear it in my voice when we're out here on the track, it's an adrenaline fueled day. And the best part about a, a toy is the toy that can run all day long. That, that is remarkable. I mean, it, it, I, I do some racing out here, and with a bespoke race car, you expect it to go hard for a half hour all day long. Uh, we go out here and just hammer this thing. We're going to be doing three sessions today, three half-hour sessions. Uh, I can think of very few uh, road-ready cars that, that can do that kind of performance and maintain the, the heat. Does that really come down to, to Porsche's racing history that they're 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 really specking these cars for the track from the get-go? I think so. I think the uh, mindset of motorsport development and cutting your teeth at the 24 hours of Le Mans, the 12 hours of Sebring, the 24 hours of Daytona. These are the pinnacles of sports car racing, where the demands on the car, the demands on the team, those are what develop processes that create success. And there's so much lineage, there's so much carryover from generation to generation of a 911. If you line up a, a 1964 debut 911 um, and, and you look at the next five body styles and line it up next to this current 992, the car that we're launching today, 
uh, you see the evolution. You see that the actual greenhouse and the design of the body has, has remained intact. And I think that we started with a very good product and we've continued to build upon that. And I, I'm very proud of, of the work that the development teams do. And they're not just motorsport focused. You have a complete staff of test drivers who are testing in the Sahara Desert. They're testing in the North Pole and everything in between. And it's it's great. I live in Los Angeles and I'll be out driving early in the morning, um, driving one of my air-cooled cars. And, and I'll see two Sport Turismo Taycons that have not really debuted on market, but they'll be in Los Angeles. I know who the test teams are. They're guys from Germany that are basing themselves in LA and putting massive amounts of miles and really testing every single scenario of these cars. And that's the perfection of why I think German cars are so great. They're so rock solid. Um, I, I'm one of these OCD types of people that any squeak, any creak, any vibration freaks me out. And I get used to these cars. These cars spoil me because even after 200, 300,000 miles, they're still just rock solid tight. And, and that's talking about hardware. In a day and age where software development and fuel economy numbers and everything really sucks up a lot of the journalism, I wish we talked more about fit and finish, about touch points, about the emotional, the leather that you touch, um, the seats that you sit in, the driving position. Um, those are the types of things that I think a motorsport focused company brings to their product that they put out on the road. Yeah, and, and, and you really feel it when you're at uh, uh, pushing the envelope on the track. I mean, the, the, the car is so solid, so stable. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredibly easy to drive. I mean, I, you know, you and I came off there in a half, in a, after a half hour. We're not sweating. You know, the upper arms aren't hurting. I mean, it's a, it's a very easy car to drive on track. Um, a long time ago, 911s very tail happy. You got the engine out the back. These days, uh, Porsche also makes a mid-engine car, the Cayman, also a, a very track-ready variant, the GT4. Uh, uh, talk to folks a little bit uh, what the difference is between those two cars, a Cayman and a Porsche, in terms of uh, driving at uh, nine tenths. Yeah, I think the mid-engine platform that that started in the late 90s with uh, the development of the Boxster, our, our open-top Spider. Uh, a lot of heritage in mid-engine open-top cars, all the way dating back to the 550s and the namesake 718, which we were running in the 60s. Um, there's a whole different science to mid-engine cars. Um, personally driving them, there's a lot of pluses and minuses. They're just different. I am such an old-school fan of the 911 and, and how the, the mass on the rear of the car allows for great traction it also allows for you as a driver to trail the brake into the corner a lot more intensely than a front engine car because now when you put all of that weight on the front two tires from really hard late braking and turning into the corner with brake pressure that can sometimes overload the front tires but with the engine in the rear that of course counterbalances that extreme track entry and so I'm a, I'm a late breaker I'm an aggressive turning guy and so I've developed my craft with 911s and when I get into a mid-engine car uh, the balance is very stable it's very neutral um, the direction change is very crisp so it's a, a different driving style you can roll more speed in and not have to keep that weight over the front but again, the, the con might be that with mid-engine cars, I'm sometimes a little critical of 
if they do step out or they get a little bit nervous on the racetrack, it, it happens more intensely. And, and that, that polar moment comes in a, in a quicker, it, it probably takes more to step over that threshold, but once you do, it's a bigger moment. But, you know, mid-engine brings a lot of convenience as well. Um, you know, the, the great thing is you have a, a front and a rear um, trunk, so you get more space. The Cayman being sort of the hardtop version of the Boxster and the Evolution, I love the look of it. Um, I think it's one of the best looking cars out there and definitely a little sleeker, a little bit more balanced in sort of the roof lines. But it's hard to it's hard to pick one. Uh, I'm fortunate that I get to sample a, a few of these cars when they come out and, and give my feedback. For but for the most part, uh, racing is my main focus. And days like this are a treat for me when I get to work with guys like you and um, talk about these cars and also hear your guys' experiences with other manufacturers. I'm a I'm a complete study and and student of of all cars and. You know, I'm not. I'm not only thinking that Porsche is is the the choice. There's there's other stuff out there that is great to learn about from from you guys being here in town. Um, one one other quick story about motorsport and and racing, um, and and that compared to street development. Wolfgang Ulrich, who was the sort of motorsport chief in command uh, when Audi had its domination at Le Mans and sort of the early 2000s through. Um, you know, I guess over a decade, mm -hmm. if my memory serves me correct. But one time he went on record and said, yes, motorsport is great for a, a company like Audi. Um, it's great for marketing. It's great for client entertainment. It's great for communication strategy. But he said, actually, what motorsport, uh, you know, I can't think of, of a company like Audi or Porsche without motorsport is the development of competition. So the, the team, the engineers, um, the scientists, the the masterminds behind the race cars, they are so passionate about beating um, the the competition on the weekend that they put in the hours and the time and the acute focus that they could never really request or ask a, a normal car engineer to do. And that's purely out of that intent to win. And so he says it's it's such value for, for a company on the, on the development side. And so that's why I think that companies like Porsche who race also can evolve their at least their sports cars um, that much quicker. Yeah, and they've and they're really it's it's amazing how their standard is still set by Porsche. Um, I mean, you see major changes at other manufacturers like Corvette, who uh, were really struggling to uh, keep up with the grip of the 911. You talk about had to go mid-engine, I think, to really evolve. Uh, with the species, um, there there's some things on this car that are exclusive to a production car. Your race car does not have uh, rear wheel steering, for example. Uh, talk about with, uh, for for an enthusiast going out on the track, what rear wheel drive, what rear wheel steering does for them. Yeah, I wish my race car had rear wheel <laughs> steer. It's not um, it's not allowed by the rules, and because it's a dynamic, sort of semi-active um, change. Those, those bring costs, those bring questions that maybe the racing world isn't uh, just there yet, but Porsche has definitely taken it and run with it. And, and it, it started with our, our predecessor, um, the last GT3. And um, the way I can describe it to you is it's, it's variable toe in the rear of the car. And ironically, it's different depending on the speed and the nature of the driving. So if you're doing a U-turn, then the rear wheels are pointing outward on each direction to help you have a better turning radius and to make things more easy to navigate in daily life. 
if you're up above a certain threshold of speed and, and the computer recognizes that this is a performance driving condition, then both rear wheels will turn in the same direction as the front wheels to increase that direction change and, and quicker, um, more functional um, handling. And the best way I, I could describe it is the first time I drove the car, I was up uh, on Mulholland in a, in a stretch of road that Southern California drivers would know about called the Snake. And it was <laughs> the first time where uh, any streetcar I'd ever driven of any era uh, where I had zero understeer. Hmm. And when I went back to the development team with my feedback and I had, I said, I have to ask, how is it that there is no understeer and that I was the one that was going to back off before the tire was going to give way? I've never ever reached the point of not wanting to go quicker through a corner. And they described that that was the biggest change with the rear wheel steer. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, because uh, yeah, again, you you feel on this car, it's a heavy car. I mean, this is a thirty-one hundred pound car, but uh, the rotation is just fabulous. Uh, last question for you: You got a lot of fans out there uh, followed you for years. Uh, we we love uh, watching Patrick Long uh, race. You're always intensely competitive, aggressive driver. Uh, where can people uh, see you here over the next year, and maybe looking at a little bit? Well, I spend most of my time uh, social media-wise on Instagram at PL Motorsport. Um, it's been a great journey um, coming up on two decades as a factory driver and the only North American representative for Porsche. Right now, I'm focused racing for uh, a team, Wright Motorsports, which is out of Batavia, Ohio, um, just outside of Cincinnati. And uh, yeah, we've gone through three races so far. We're about a third of the way through this season um, in IMSA and the Weather Tech Championship. And our next race will be the end of june here what what month is it COVID head um coming out of um yeah no no uh, no detroit grand prix weekend for you so uh, not not june in detroit no 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 detroit this year the um the full-time championship doesn't stop there because normally the proximity to Le Mans makes it difficult to make it a points running uh race but we'll be at uh, watkins Glen in upstate new york at the end of june uh looking forward to the six hour which is kind of an iconic and classic race at a a track that's so storied all the way back from the days of, of Formula One and the USGP. Um, so looking forward to that and then the stretch really picks up into the summer as we sort of move through up into Road America, Wisconsin and then um, drifting back towards the West Coast and um, you know finishing up here in November at Road Atlanta Petit Le Mans. So um, having a lot of fun in my driving, also uh, having a lot of fun with Luftgekult, which is a show that I produce uh, an air-cooled event that's more of a happening, um, an outdoor uh, afternoon for families and Porsche and non-Porsche people to come and, and enjoy the enthusiasm and learn about the heritage of these cars, both race and street. And so we'll be in Indianapolis on September 10th, uh, a Friday afternoon in a great venue in town celebrating all things Porsche um, and looking forward to that. that. Sounds awesome. Patrick, thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to more track time this afternoon. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's uh, it's hot and slippery, but um, these tires are up for it, so uh, we'll be pushing the mark a little harder. <laughs> All right, this is Henry Payne with 910 AM, the Superstation Car Radio out in Chelsea, Michigan, and uh, checking out the all-new VW Ta Taos out here. This is a big deal, big, big deal, uh, big shift uh, for VW as the Golf goes out the door and the Taos comes in as the entry-level hatchback. For VW, we're joined by Jose Bravo, uh, a great name. I love Jose Bravo. It's like a, it's like a it's like a, a, a Hollywood name. Uh, Jose, Jose is the 
uh, product manager for the VW Taos. Uh, Jose, how are you? Great. Thank you very much for having me. You know, it's it, these are exciting times for the VW brand. You know, uh, especially for the compact SUVs. You know, we're we're pumped to have the the new Taos coming in alongside to the ID4 and the Moldier 22 T1 facing. So, very very exciting times for the brand. And for uh, for hatchback guys like me, my first car was a VW Rabbit GTI. That's how old I am. I, I, my first car <laughs> was a Rabbit, not a Golf. Um, that's still that's still in the in the product lineup here. You're still still doing the GTI. You're just not doing the base Golf anymore. Yeah. So the idea is right now the the evolution. As you know, we want to keep this nameplate and it's going to be imported, of course. But we're we're keeping part of the Golf family with us. And it's, it's part of the brand, and it, we know our customers here in the U.S. love it as well. So yeah. we're keeping that through, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But, <laughs> but, but generally speaking, we Americans have gone crazy for SUVs. Uh, uh, VW has come in, transformed their lineup. Uh, you're, you're an SUV brand now. You, your entry-level entry, entry level car would be a Jetta uh, sedan. But uh, now you have a complete lineup of SUVs. Uh, at the very top is the Atlas, and now the Taos comes in as your entry-level uh, SUV. Yeah, that's correct. So I think that as a brand, we see that the a, the compact SUV segment is growing heavily. You know, uh, pre-COVID, we started going up to 4 million units a year, and we see the high drive and demand of this. So we identified the opportunity to have this smaller compact SUV, which is the Taos, that is based upon the uh, the the great MQB platform that we have, and uh, with the wheelbase that we were discussing previously, with one of 5.9 inches, you have a great ergonomics and space. So it was the best packaging we can bring in to the entry customer that maybe is moving up from a sedan and wants this great value proposal without sacrificing fuel economy and a great cost of maintenance. Now this this would be a subcompact SUV. This is underneath the Tiguan, and but the SUVs are so hot that even the subcompact segment is, is getting sliced and diced. So there are actually smaller SUVs than this available. You can go down to a uh, Honda uh, HRV, uh, which is a smaller vehicle than this. Uh, Hyundai's got a tiny little uh, thing. I can't remember the name of the Hyundai underneath un, uh, that's, that's underneath this size. That's not what you guys are after. No. You guys are more, I'll, I'll call it the, uh, I'll call it the large subcompact segment. You're going after uh, Kia Seltos, uh, Subaru Crosstrek. This is a pretty good size subcompact SUV. That's correct. You know, we we're 175 point inches long, so right now we're it's pretty much 9.3 inches shorter than the long wheelbase. So as you mentioned, on this area, you have your Seltos, you have your Crosstrek, you have your Compass, and you know we want to make sure that from a packaging perspective, this delivers. You know, it's not a small hatch. It has great cargo space, amazing second legroom, and great ergonomics. I'm six foot five. Uh, one of the first things I do when I get into cars is I see if I can sit behind myself in the second seat. This thing is huge. I mean, this 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 car in the rear seat is bigger than a lot of compact SUVs like a Mazda CX-5 or a, um, a a Chevy Equinox. This thing's big in the back seat. Yeah, we have in the second row the legroom is 37.9 inches. So if you're six five, you can put the driver's seat in your correct position then jump into the second row and I still have plenty of space on the head, uh, from a headroom and from a legroom perspective and you're sitting up higher. So we've done a great job here as a brand. Uh, one of the key focuses is ergonomics and we, we ensure that of course even our entry SUV delivers on this point. 
So, uh, as a longtime golf guy myself, one of the things I always liked about uh, the golf was relatively, it had a pretty good rear back seat. You could get four people, you know, you're a young person, you buy your first car, you can get your four buddies into that car. Uh, but this, this car has much more rear leg room than a golf did. Are you finding with the SUV customer they prioritize rear sight, rear seat room as well as cargo? We see that, of course, if you jump into an SUV, it's because you need eight more space, and you also need need to have fun. And even though it could be only yourself, you have over the weekends adventure. So we want to make sure that there is space enough that the, the 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 your passengers are also comfortable in the rear. And and this also not comes from an economics perspective, but also from a design perspective that you have the same feel and finish and comfort for your passengers as well. And we do see that more when you jump into SUVs, you have more people riding with you. And for example, in the second row, we also have a pass-through if you want to go skiing. So we're taking some elements, you know, for this more fun and an adventure if you want to take this vehicle outside as well, out of the city on the weekends. Yeah, yeah, Americans love their weekends. So I mentioned uh, at the top of the segment the VW Atlas. That, that car has done really well for you. Uh, I think when you combine Atlas sales with the, what's, what's the two-row version? Uh, the Crossport. When you combine uh, Crossport and Atlas sales, I think that's your volume seller right now. I think combined, those two outsell the Tiguan, right? Yeah, combined, they're a little bit above Tiguan, but if you take a, a individual values, the Tiguan is doing awesome. So yeah. we had an amazing first quarter with the Tiguan. It, it's doing great. Uh, we're looking forward to have it later this year. We'll have the facelift Tiguan, it was the Molio 22, which loads up with tech and some new design and cues and elements. So this, the segment is hot in overall. So I think that having these now this dual offer in the compact SUV segment with T1 and Taos is going to be is going to be a great offer for the customer. Yeah, and and I, I've been in the Tiguan. Uh, you and I uh, uh, walked through that car uh, a couple weeks ago. Open Golf Championship, sponsored by CDW. People who get it. It was two Saturdays ago. John Rahm was told he had tested positive for COVID-19 as he led the memorial by six shots. In his first tournament since, Rahm is a threat. Three under par, two off the lead going into the third round. And Rahm knows Torrey Pines. His first pro victory was at the Farmers in 2017. Having played this course in every possible wind always helps. And I think um, just the memory of some putts and some breaks can always help, right? I mean, obviously, they're rolling a little bit different, a little bit faster. You know, we all know everything tends to break towards the ocean, but it's not always the case, right? So I feel like the experience on the course in, in certain moments can always help out. Rob tees off at 113 Pacific. Richard Bland and Russell Henley, the surprise co-leaders at 5-under. Jordan Speed 3-under through 12. He's now 1-over for the championship. I'm Ted Emmerich, West with one sports we drive we the standard all we drive with cloud seats that are heated so we want to make sure that this value proposal is there and also from a safety uh, street perspective deliver all the safety features that you find in a top car are available in your base stream which is super cool for a very very comfortable price point yeah and that, that is uh, yeah there's a real war going on with these uh, manufacturers everybody's trying to bring in these standard segments they're, they're really democratizing automobiles you, you've got your standard digital uh, display in this car standard standard blind spot assist uh, available adaptive cruise control down at the uh, $22,000 $23,000 entry price these are features that you could only get in a luxury car two probably two generations ago yeah, so as a brand, as we, we prioritize safety, you know, and this means driver's assistance. So uh, we try to democratize safety features across the lineup. 
the idea now as a brand we're bringing the cross country strategy that is an IQ drive safety suite which is our smart driver assistance system that not only incorporates your basic front assist and blind spot that are common in the segment but you have features such as travel assist and emergency assist which are common in very higher price points or different segments and we're ensured with the, even with the towels that these features are available on the entry trim and that means that you have a great value proposal even from the entry, you you have a limited budget, you'll be able to have access to this. Yeah. Now we're, we're sitting in an SE trim here, which is your volume trim, your middle trim, you're expecting about 50% of sales uh, to be this car. It's a pretty rugged looking thing. I mean, again, you compare it to a Golf. Uh, Golf was uh, you know, sort of a sportier um, uh, performance hatchback. This looks much more off-roady. I mean, this—you look at this. There's a lot of lot of black uh, uh, trim around the car. Uh, it really has sort of a rugged off-roady look. Yeah. So uh, to your point exactly, you know, an SUV has to be an SUV, right? So it means it has to be robust. It has to be more rugged. It has to have the great ground clearance and the great positioning. So what we don't hear is this car is uh, we've taken the design cues and what the elements the cost the U.S. customer wants, and we've brought them brought them here. You know, like. You have a very attractive front design with an aggressive grille, an X design with glossy black accents that is also, you know, is across the whole lineup, making sure that you get all these nice accents all across. And of course, the stance of the vehicle that you get with the with the towels is great. So you do get a proper SUV, and it's, a, it's actually a robust looking vehicle. Then uh, you've got all-wheel drive available on this vehicle. Talk about that a little bit and, and what you get uh, with the all-wheel dr uh, drive package uh, when that comes in? So, of course, uh, the all-wheel drive, uh, if you go from the base trim, the S trim that we have, the all-wheel drive also adds uh, an all-weather package, which includes up to heated seats. So it's actually a great value proposal, and an all-wheel drive system is a very competitive segment. Uh, so, system so you, you can get that at the S trim. You can get yes. your all-wheel drive right there at the, the base trim. Correct, and that's part of the value proposal because we, we know some customers uh, may prefer front-wheel drive for the entry price, but all-wheel drives also help us in the Northeast and in several regions that you have snow or different conditions. So we want to make sure that the entry customer has access to an all-wheel drive as well at a very competitive price, but not only as a front-wheel drive. And the, the uh, all-wheel drive also gets you a, a, a mode dial, uh, which, which you know, we're, we're sitting in a front-wheel drive SE here. But when you, when you get that all-wheel drive system, you get a mode dial and you get a number of features with that. Yeah, we have several customization features, you know, and this is part of, you know, this is, it comes down from, uh, as a brand itself from Germany, you know, it's a system that is shared with Germany. And so, yeah, this, this system is, is pretty good. It's competitive with the, what we see in the segment. So I think that the whole vehicle, even you see it from our digital cockpits, is what, how can you make this work better? You know, how can this tailor to your cost, to the customer, your driving dynamics? So, yeah. A lot of uh, good initiatives, not only as the BW here in the U.S., but as BW from a brand across the globe. Well, we like our all-wheel drive here in uh, Michigan. We get long winters, so <laughs> there'll be a big, <laughs> big take for that uh, here. Uh, you guys are putting a lot of emphasis on electrification these days. You've, you uh, have the new VW ID4 uh, coming in at about uh, $40,000 before tax credits. Uh, talk about the challenge. Uh, of that cost-wise. The, the VW Taos, which is your entry-level vehicle, uh, there's no electrification option here mm -hmm. in the low $20,000 segment. I think that uh, we're, first of all, you know, the ID4 is is amazing. You know, I think that we've seen the customers, the initial reviews, 
and how this is changing the mindset of the customers and the customer adoption for this vehicle is going to just keep on growing so as the brand 94 has is is definitely a big milestone for us and from a customer perspective we see that there's a space for each one of these SUVs, you know, there's a specific customer that is looking for an electrical vehicle and with, as you mentioned, with the tax credits, it's a great offer. Uh, in the case of the Taos, I think that the, with new technology that we incorporated in the 1.5 standard turbocharged engine, this engine delivers up to 31 MPG combined in the front wheel drive. So we are super competitive with that uh, MPG number. Therefore, we, we feel very comfortable with this engine that not only delivers the fuel economy and power, but also from a torque perspective, you get 184 pound-feet of torque that kicks in at 1750 RPM, which is not common. So you, that, you do get the immediate response that you may feel in an electrical vehicle as well, that you have that punchy feel when you start, when you accelerate or you want to merge in the highway. So this the engine delivers already, and we want to continue with this uh, 1.5 for the moment, and it's going great. You know, it's, it's, it's been the right choice. Yeah. So as, as a value proposition, that's what you still need in this segment: a, a, a battery-powered car. You just you, you wouldn't be able to make it work a, 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 as an affordable vehicle. That's still something that needs right now to be playing in a forty-thousand-dollar segment. If you're playing in the twenty-thousand-dollar segment, you still need a, a ICE engine. I think this 1.5 delivers, so I think that we were discussing about the check marks. So this this engine, the 1.5, with the new technology we've incorporated on it, it delivers every attribute we want. You get the right power, you get the right fuel economy, and you also get the, the right driving dynamics. And of course, you know, electrification comes at a premium, and we want to make sure that our customers have all the attributes, but don't pay a premium that is not necessary for them at this point. Yeah, this is a wonderful uh, uh, engine. I love having a turbocharged engine in this segment. Uh, I particularly like these digital displays because they're configurable. Uh, I think people, are, uh, customers are really going to uh, like that. Uh, last question for you. What, what's your favorite uh, sort of little detail here with the Taos that uh, you think will really stand out to customers? I think that uh, Taos is the technology that Taos brings in. You know, it's not only, of course, the engine delivers amazing fuel economy, great performance, but I think we also bring, want to bring technology to the masses, right? You want to make sure that the volume trims, the S and the C deliver with tech. So you have a standard digital cockpit, you got a great infotainment system, you have wireless Apple CarPlay with wireless charging available. Uh, you get all the nice gadgets up to, pre, up, up to Beats Premium Audio. So you get all the techs and fun that you find in bigger SUVs, but in this vehicle. So, I think that is it, it checks the boxes in regards to the packaging in overall. Yeah, oh, it's, a, it's a great vehicle. Great to see VW in this segment. I lament the fact that the Golf is not here anymore, but great to still have that GTI uh, in the VW lineup. Jose Bravo, product manager for the Taos, thanks for joining us. Of course, my pleasure. Yeah, looking forward to see the Taos on the streets.
January 14th, Microsoft will no longer provide security updates for Windows 7. Continued use will leave your PC vulnerable to security risks. Call All About Technology today at 313-218-4888. We're all about technology. Visit Central Park Deli today and receive 10% off any purchase when ordering from our mobile app and enter promo code 910AM. Our new menu items include gluten-free wraps, spinach wraps, fried spicy buffalo cauliflower, and sweet potato maple cheesecake. Don't forget about our always delicious Seigensburg corned beef, our fresh hand-patty charbroiled 100% premium beef burgers, and our homemade teriyaki stir-fries. Central Park Deli has curbside service available and DoorDash delivery. Come visit us today. Are you looking for a great deal on advertising? Here at 910 AM Superstation, we're going to make you an offer that you can't refuse with our Godfather Package Special. You can receive 200 spots for $500. That's right, 200 spots for only $500. That's $2.50 per spot. All spots must stay within a 30-day schedule, and 910 AM Superstation will produce your spots for free. Please contact Renisha Williams at 313-434-8291. That's 313-434-8291. Please call now. Attention Detroit-based businesses. Are you looking for new opportunities to promote your goods and services? Corporate buyers, are you looking to work with quality, diverse local suppliers? If you're excited to connect with Detroit's Buy Detroit Procurement Program, register today for the Meet the Buyer event, an exclusive event sponsored by First Independent Bank and DTE in partnership with the Michigan Minority Supplier Diversity Council and Pure Michigan Business Connect. Please visit DEGC.org to register and learn more. We've got the perfect cure for your COVID blues, a new live and free three-week concert series, Novi Nights Live at the Adele Center. Three Fridays in July, the 9th, 16th, and 23rd. Join me, Alexander Zonjic, and friends, featuring smooth trumpeter Lynn Roundtree, virtuoso violinist Evan Garr, and from Ohio, the Urban Jazz Coalition. Bring your lawn chairs, outdoors, rain or shine, Novi Nights Live. Call Phyllis, 419-280-1073, 280-1073 for all the details. Come on up and party. Hello, I'm Pastor Robert Tilton. Detroit Southfield, I'm coming to see you. If you're bound by drugs, alcohol, sick, afflicted, troubled, maybe you need a financial breakthrough. I want to pray for you in the power of Jesus' name. I will be at the Southfield Weston Hotel, June the 24th, 7.30 p.m.